Hi, you're listening to another sermon from Deep Creek Anglican Church. The new reality. John 11, before that Easter Saturday, speaks to the helplessness of two sisters, Martha and Mary. They were probably feeling pretty helpless when their brother, Lazarus, suddenly became ill. And just like today, but especially in those days, a a sudden illness could actually lead to death. And so they knew that they had one on their team who was powerful. You see, in John's Gospel, we've already seen six miraculous signs done by this man called Jesus showing that he is not only the one sent from God to bring restoration to Israel, but in fact, somehow, God himself. He has power over sickness, power over storms, power over darkness, power over death. And so they think, well, if Jesus was here, we wouldn't feel so helpless. But he's not there. It's Saturday, really? Jesus is not there. And their brother dies. And for some reason, Jesus has delayed his journey to them so that this utter helplessness takes hold? Well, when he arrives, both sisters speak to him of their disappointment. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know if you've heard this story before, but for me, I was struck again by the fact that both of them say this to him. And yet, his response to them is quite different. And for me, his response to the sisters prefigures Good Friday and Easter Sunday around that Saturday of helplessness. Let me tell you why I think that. I want to start with Mary. Now, Mary is so deep in the helplessness and disappointment that she doesn't even come out to see Jesus. You know, Martha, if you know the story, Martha actually has that sort of pep, right? She's, she's always, I got to do with the right thing. I'm out there. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. I'm right in, I'm in it. But Mary, the helplessness has paralyzed her. Have you ever been paralyzed by helplessness? Mostly around moments of life and death. I think, is when it is most paralyzing. We are very blessed in that we have not lost close 
close family members. But even I remember when Phoebe was born, my daughter, uh, she had to go to special care nursery, but I was on a high. I was in the Martha sort of, you know, I was, I, 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 it, I, that didn't bother me at all. But then when I couldn't feed her properly and she was just crying and crying, that helplessness was very powerful. But of course, at the end of life, and if you've walked with someone or you have experienced it, not being able to prevent an illness from progressing, not being able to take away someone's pain, not being able to bring life when death comes. And so Mary's in that moment. And when she comes to Jesus, she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. At that moment, I think we see Good Friday. I think we see a God who would never remove himself from human suffering. We see Jesus who, uh, when it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, has an angry snort. That's what the language behind it, it's this uh, deep anger at what has happened here. And I, I wonder whether, too, he feels this emotion, this depth of emotion, because he's seen what his delay has also caused for his friends. He knew he had to do it. But he can see the depth of grief right there. And so he snorts with anger at death and everything that comes with it. The helplessness uh, that he created in his friends. And then he weeps. It's really hard to follow a leader who hasn't been where you've been. And Australians, actually pretty much the whole world now, despises someone who's lived in an ivory tower and yet who says they have a claim on my allegiance, your allegiance. But John 11 and Good Friday with those three crosses on a hill tells us that we do not have a God who calls for our allegiance but will remain in his ivory tower. Jesus wept and Jesus died. And he sat in that helplessness on the Saturday just 
as he sat in that helplessness with his friends Mary and Martha. But his response to Martha is different. Some people say, well, he was sort of telling her off, rebuking her. I think feeling like a Martha person myself. He was feeling like she could take some revelation. She was able actually in that moment, even in the helplessness, to go deeper with Jesus. Mary, he stood by her side and he wept. But Martha, he said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, as someone who does some counselling and uh, maybe you as a parent or a grandparent, someone who assists co-workers, uh, you know you want to offer people hope. Oh, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And yet both you and I will come to a point where we don't have that hope to offer. But Jesus here in John 11 is the only one who truly does. Here we have a foretaste of Easter Sunday. Because Jesus in himself could hold that depth of emotion and helplessness and weeping together with the power that created the entire cosmos. If you're watching online uh, or if you've been on holidays or are going on holidays, I hope you get a chance to look around at God's creation, to look at the stars, to enjoy the sun today and the rain tomorrow. Welcome to Melbourne. And when you do... Consider this man who held all of that in himself. Who sat with the helplessness, who wept and yet could say, I am the resurrection and the life. So he says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha, uh, a little bit like the thief on the cross actually, says, yes, I know there'll be a resurrection at the end of time. And uh, he will rise at the last day. And it feels like that's almost cold comfort to her. Yes, okay, Lord, but why are we going through this now? And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Sometimes for me, I feel it's a hard sell speaking of a resurrected Messiah who could do all these miraculous signs living in a world where death still exists. We come to church on Easter Sunday and we're like, this is the resurrection day. Life has broken through. Death could not hold him. But do you know Lazarus died again? 
any amazing work that Jesus could do, giving his signs before the cross, had a use-by date. Lazarus comes out of the tomb. Jesus raises him to life. And uh, in, in chapter 12, we see there's a party and Mary's pouring perfume on Jesus' feet and they are just celebrating. Uh, this is the pinnacle. We don't know the rest of the story. When Lazarus, you know, I don't know, turned 60, 80, that would have been of extremely good innings in that time. What did you promise us, Lord? What do you offer? Well, I think it's in these two words that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That resurrection, Martha, that you look forward to on the last day, yes. But I will make that possible and you will know that it is true because I will be the first one to do it. And so we come to Easter Sunday and the tomb is empty and that cloth that was there that is no longer around his head, same word, only time it's used, that was around Lazarus's head. What we saw back then that had a use-by date, now this rising looks the same but isn't the same. Jesus now lives in a whole new realm, almost unrecognizable in the garden. So full of life is the resurrection. We can almost not imagine it. But he also promises not just a resurrection at the end of time, but life now. Every single one of us will still die. And yet Jesus says, through him, we will live, not just forever, but now. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, a later follower of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, was writing about what Jesus did on Good Friday and Easter Sunday and what it meant not just for the future, but for now. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Now I want you to really listen. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him 
in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, you will be raised up with Christ and you will be seated in the heavenly realms. He said, because of what God has done on that cross and with an empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus with no use-by date, you are now, before you've died, raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. I do find all of this a mystery. How could God do this? How does it work behind the scenes? That something that seems so relatable to my experience, my helplessness, my hopes, accomplish something that has no use-by date and also starts right now. And yet, that is exactly what the Scriptures tell us. That through believing in this one who died, and more than just believing that, you know, there's Martha saying, I believe that will happen. I believe that but actually believing in, trusting, throwing yourself upon in your helplessness to the only one who can help. There is not simply resurrection at the end of time, but there is life now. We live in a world where death is not always considered to be an enemy. We don't actually snort with anger over death. Sometimes we see it as uh, a great release. And so some of the ways in which Christians used to preach and said, death is so terrible, you're so upset about death, you know, you need to escape it. We actually don't have that as much anymore. That doesn't connect so much anymore. But I think our mistake is that we don't realise that death's tendrils come into life at almost every point. And that what Jesus is saying he will do for us is not simply uh, abolish death and that you'll live forever, but that every pain, every tear, Every moment of helplessness because of your body, your mental health, your relationships, your looking at the corruption of the world, your experience of the climate, all of that. This is what the empty tomb and Jesus' risen life changes in you. The life, just as death's tendrils come into life, and sometimes we see it as a release because someone's living death before they die, right? 
actually resurrections, tendrils come into all of your life now when you throw yourself on Jesus. The fear in the face of everything that makes you helpless is gone. Because unlike Martha and Mary, we no longer say, if you had been here. A man who died on a cross on Good Friday and who stayed in that grave. All of us would be saying, if you had been here. If we'd seen the seven signs of Jesus in John's gospel, and yet he stayed on that cross, well, if you'd been here, you could have turned the water into wine. But just like with Lazarus, take the grave clothes off him and let him go. Jesus has thrown his grave clothes off. He is walking in risen life. And he says, I'm going to ascend to the Father to rule and reign so that every blessing of my resurrection life can now be with you. And today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we don't see you today. But we know we do not have to say, if only you had been here. Because you, Lord, are risen and reigning in a way that transcends our life and death, daily life. And your risen life means that you are with us always. And that your life becomes our life and we are seated with you in some mysterious way, living now, raised now. Lord, that we can even address you. Would you in your mercy Minister to our hearts in our helplessness today. Where we feel if only you had been here, this would not have happened. Would you speak to us about why it did? And what you hold for us in the future because of your resurrection. Lord, if you are alive then we are alive and we long to have our day-to-day reflect that more and more and more. Amen.